Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you found the podcast. It's an exciting batch of conversations for us because we are closing out season one of text talk last week last week i mean the last week we're not talking about last week this is the last week hey of and i want everyone to be excited about next week next I want week you to know that text talk season two the psalms will be dropping on monday lord willing and we hope that you'll be uh, tuning into that of course we appreciate so much our listeners when you subscribe when you rate the podcast when you send us messages at our email text talk at christiansmeethere.org text talk at christiansmeethere.org you make our day and we want to encourage you in the word of god which is what we're about right now and what is our text for today well today we're going to be talking about acts chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 acts 28 1 through 10 the first 10 verses this is the english standard version after we were brought safely through we then learned that the island was called malta The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. What wonderful people to come across in a shipwreck, the people who lived on Malta. Where we left off in Acts chapter 27, we saw the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the Lord, letting Paul know that if the people would stay on the ship, he would see them through the storm. And though the ship would be lost, not a soul would be. And indeed, we saw in the throes of the storm, the ship is smashed to pieces. It goes down. But everyone could either swim or hang on to the flotsam and jetsam and find themselves safely on shore. Uh, What a great set of words. Just saying. I'm just saying. And so here we are on the island we found out of Malta, a bit disorienting, and to find people who are willing to help these poor shipwrecked souls. They build fires. They try to draw, you know, dry them out and, and preserve life. And yet poor Paul, after getting through a, a, a shipwreck and, and all of the travail of getting from the water to the land and doing his part to gather sticks, uh, to be bitten by a viper, And then the perspective of these nice native people uh, is that, oh, these are some bad, bad men who've come across our shore. They should have died in the ocean. Not a single one did. Now the snakes are going to get them. Uh, And so here is a, a concern and a fear. And yet look at this. The Apostle Paul did not die. 
and they're completely shocked. I, I think about how this must have gone backwards and forwards for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm wondering if people saw the ship. I, oh. I, just as I'm as I'm putting myself on island life, mm-hmm. folks near the shore mm-hmm. uh, who lived there most certainly would have seen the ship and see what it's going through and recognize, oh, this is going to be a problem for these fellas. Yeah. And as they're witnessing it, they expect people to die and bodies to wash up on shore. But instead, everyone makes it alive. Yeah. And considering Which would be remarkable. It's remarkable. Considering their pagan background would no doubt cause them to thank their gods and be amazed by their gods. Yeah. But then here's this one man mm-hmm. who... I mean, what are the chances? You pick up a bundle of sticks and there's a viper in it that when you get closer to the fire, that cold-blooded viper is coming back to life, if you will, and mm-hmm. and whew, hangs on to him and Paul just shakes it off. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the way Luke, Luke words it, at least as it gets translated here in the ESV about they are expecting him to swell up or to just suddenly fall down. Yeah, fall dead. over dead. Just happening that quick. And, uh, and nothing happens, and they're watching, and nothing happens, and they're watching, and nothing happens. And then they think, aha, here's why all these folks are alive, and here's why he survived. Mm-hmm. He's a god. He's a god. He's a god. Not the first time in the book of Acts that uh, pagan peoples have assumed or given the apostle Paul the title god. You must be a god. Not the first time. However, here's what, I, what shocks me. I'm reading through all these 11 verses, 10 verses. I've read through them again and again. And not once does Paul say, no, guys, look, I'm not a God. I'm a man just like you. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't. He just he just goes on about his business. He just goes on working. And in fact, after they assume he's a God, he just goes and heals somebody. And then they're honoring him greatly and the whole group as they leave. It, it's completely shocking. Why doesn't Paul correct them that he's not a God? So... We need to talk about that because I'd like to. in Acts chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas are preaching, uh, they are called the gods. In fact, the, uh, the priest comes out and wants to offer sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas make such a, um, a, a I guess, a demonstration. We are not gods. And they are so upset and they, they tear their clothes. Uh, so where is the outcry and the outrage here uh, on Malta? Well, that's that's my question. Is this, is Paul now doing this different? Does does Paul take a different stance on this whole issue of they're going to believe I'm a god this time than he did in the first one? What what am I supposed to be seeing here? Well, I would say first that I I would be highly skeptical that yes, he is now accepting uh, the title of God or any type of worship that would go along with that. It would seem to undercut everything that this whole book of Acts has been about, his life and his ministry, because he's all about pointing people to the risen Christ. He's all about pointing people to the risen Christ. Um, I will say, though, that I think that there is wisdom, even though these pagans are mistaken in calling him a god, but recognizing divine power at work. And uh, when the Lord commissioned the apostles to go and preach the gospel to all creation, uh, there are some signs that he said would go along with that. Uh, In the gospel of Mark, particularly in chapter 16 and verse 18, uh, Jesus said to them, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, um, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are signs of the apostles and I believe prophetic of some of the events that we read in the book of Acts, but particularly this idea of taking up serpents, uh, 
of being able to heal the sick. We see all of that happening right here uh, in Acts chapter 28. It's not uh, to say at all that the Apostle Paul is a god or there's anything to paganism, but it certainly confirms he is God's man. He, he's and an the apostle. Message, yeah, he's an apostle. He is God's man. And the message that he has to preach to these people comes from God. He's an apostle of the real God. Yeah. The the crucified and risen God. Yeah. That he's And he's one who believed the message. And I think that's what happens back there in Mark 16. He talks about those who will believe the apostles' message and they'll be saved. Mm-hmm. But then he turns around and addresses the apostles. Now, if you guys will believe, this is what will happen. Because yeah. for two chapters, they hadn't been believing. Sure. And now he's saying to them, if you guys will believe, this is what's happening. So we see Paul once again being demonstrated, not by the announcement, Paul the apostle, but being demonstrated by these signs. Yeah. I do want to – let me circle back on something, though, before we forget and get too far away from it. I think it's important to recognize I, – I, I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek. I, I imagine you knew that when I was talking to you, Andrew, and I'm sure everybody listening probably realized that. Uh, I think Paul probably did protest them calling him a god. I you think I, that he would have corrected these native people I, and taken – I think he did. Taken yes. an opportunity to preach Jesus to them? What I think is that Luke didn't feel the need to repeat that. Okay. That, okay. as you brought up – in Acts 14, when they were at Lystra, am I right about that? I believe it was I at so. Lystra when they healed the when they healed the fella, and everyone thinks that he and Barnabas are gods. Right. They, I mean, lots of protest. When we get here to chapter 28, Luke doesn't have to repeat that. Why? Because we know what Paul does when people believe mm-hmm. he is a god, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for us to recognize that Luke is writing the way historians write. Uh, there's there needs to be an economy of words. There's paper for them. Paper was scarce. Right. You, you you didn't you didn't just add in things that you didn't need to add. Which by the way, I'll throw this in makes what we talked about last week about the three recountings of Paul's conversion even right. more powerful mm-hmm. because there was something he felt the need to repeat. And each time he gives a little bit more information yeah. as he's building his case. Detail. And we're going to be seeing where that case comes to a conclusion by the end of this week in Acts 28 about the Jews and the Gentiles and yeah. salvation. Yeah. But I, I want to draw a parallel. Okay. And I know this is going to feel like it's out of left field, but it's something that has just struck me as I've been reading this. I don't think there's anybody out there who is a Bible believer that would look at Acts chapter 28 and say, oh, wow, Paul didn't correct them. I think everyone reading it would know, hey, we know Paul corrected them. Yeah. Luke doesn't have to say it again. He pointed out to us in chapter 14 how Paul deals with this. And we've been following all these chapters, and I mean, it would just it just doesn't go. We just assume that this Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's not... And that's, that's not a far-off supposition. I mean, yeah, this that's is exactly right. We're, we're not who he is. We're not pulling that out of thin air. No, we're not being no. silly. We're not being biased. It just makes sense. Right, right. Okay, I want to talk about a completely different topic, but but one in which folks handle it very differently, and that's the topic of baptism. Mm. I know in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, the very first time the gospel is presented post-resurrection and the message of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness and his salvation is taught, Peter starts off, the people cry out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Mm -hmm. And Peter says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There it is. It is said. It is now at the front end of the book. It's one of the, I mean, we're talking really, when you realize this is a 20, as it's organized for us today, a 28 chapter book, that's really close to the beginning. Yes, it is. It's 
right up front. It says, First this sermon. is what you need yeah. to do. Then we get to later passages, and those, those words are not ever repeated. And we find in some places where it talks about belief or repentance. We see baptism multiple times, yeah, but we lots see of people getting baptized. In this we book. we see it all the time. We see it, in fact, almost every case it's mentioned. However, it's not always worded the same way. It's not. But so we get to like the Philippian jailer, and the Philippian jailer asks, "What must I do to be saved?" And Paul yeah. says, "Believe you and your household." And folks have said, "Ah, see." There's different ways that they taught about how to be saved. There's different – there's alternative ways. Mm. And so, no, I no. think I think that would be like coming to Acts 28 and saying there's alternative ways to deal with people claiming that you're a god. We get to Acts 28. It doesn't have to tell us Paul said that he wasn't a god. We know he said he wasn't a god because we know how he acts based on what was written ahead of time. It's already been stated. When we get to other passages, Luke does not have to write out every time someone talks about conversion the exact same phrasing and wording and mentioning exactly every single thing he says every other time because the stage has already been set. He has already set the stage. How do people become disciples? How do they get forgiveness of sins? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So when he gets to Cornelius, what does he got to do? He's got to repent and be baptized. When he gets to, when they get to the Samaritans, what do they do? They have to repent and be baptized. When he gets to Corinth, what do they have to do? They have to repent and be baptized. And, of course, we piece that together with belief because they wouldn't be repenting and being baptized unless they believed. So it's not surprising to find some different wording at various places. But what we don't say is, oh, oh, there's alternative ways. What we say is what we're finding in this passage supposes what we already read in the earlier passage, just like Acts 28. Yeah. And to draw one more parallel, if we are not paralleled out. But as we mentioned a moment ago, when Luke does choose to give more detail, let's talk about the conversion of Saul. All right. So there's added details with each of the tellings to bring about the whole picture. And when detail is given about these different responses to the gospel and the conversions, maybe we do care in a word on repentance in this one, belief in this one, baptism in this one. Yeah, they all go together. Yeah, we add them together. We don't assume, we don't look at those retellings of the conversion and say, oh, this one's different. Maybe he got converted in three different ways, or maybe there were three different orders. No, we understand that Luke is building. And so if some later passage adds information, we Mm -hmm. don't assume that it's different. We realize that it's being pieced together. Yeah, we're building upon what's already been given. (laughs) We're not trying to contradict and forget what's already been given. We love to know what you're learning from the text. Please give us an email, uh, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer, Andrew. Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can open up your word and study it as we continue following along with the travels and travails of the Apostle Paul. God, we see how that you were working through him. Father, we see that in his humble obedience, it was a powerful testimony to the world of the risen Christ. We find here today more evidence of his true apostleship, the greater trust we have then in all of his writings and the inspiration of so much of our New Testament. Father, we pray that you would give us the courage in whatever situation, circumstance we find ourselves in to be faithful and obedient to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.